Well, and welcome back to another exciting edition of Light Beer, Dark Money. I'm Chris Clements. And I'm Sean Noble. And we are really pleased today to have as our special guest, uh, Kim Owens, who is an account executive at Gordon James Public Relations, one of the leading public relations firms here in the Great Valley of the Sun. Thank you for having me. And also a candidate for something called the Arizona Corporation Commission. That's right. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about her history here in Arizona politics, Republican women's politics, and maybe a deeper understanding of what the Arizona community. What is the corporation? What is the corporation commission, and what does it do, and why? Why is everybody seeming to want to run for the corporation? A lot of commission? people seem to run for corporation commission. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to get some insights. We'll have from to get some insights. On that. Well, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you again. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Well, tell us a little about yourself and you know your background and how you got involved and all sure. the great stuff that you're doing. Sure. Thank you. So I'm an Arizona native. My dad was born here. My mom moved here in the 50s, and I just was raised to love the state and everything about it. So from an early age, the idea of being a conservative was not just something people did. It was who we were. I remember my dad debating about why Goldwater was the best candidate for president, and it just made so much sense to me. So from that point on, this whole idea of individual accountability, responsibility, was how I was raised. So to say that I'm a Republican is probably a little short of the truth. It's more I am a dyed-in-the-wool conservative who truly believes that this is the best country that ever existed because it was designed for the people, mm -hmm. not for those in charge. And that as such, we have a responsibility to take ownership of our government versus the government taking ownership of us. So when that's, you talk about my involvement in politics, that's where it all comes from. Well, that's a great message, especially after the 4th of July that we're recording this. True, it seems, true. seems that a lot of people kind of forget how the country was founded. Yeah, well, and it seems like there's so much of lately that you see, well, yeah, but these they were racist and they had slaves and, and it's it, they forget that that the founders were aspirational in what they wanted to create. Um, and it was out of necessity, but it also was visionary. And sure, we haven't lived up to all of the ideals that were laid out in the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution, but we're certainly better off now than we were then, than we were 30 years ago, 20 years ago. It's something that we just continue to work for. I'd like right? to say that we're an imperfect people working toward a more perfect union. Yeah, exactly. That's perfect. But the, but, but the key part of the declaration, I wrote something about this on LinkedIn, um, of all things, about a year ago, that people seem to forget, and I'd love your perspective on this, is that we are endowed by our creator with, oh, our, absolutely. In, with our rights. <clears throat> I sent a message out this weekend about that, and it's that the Declaration of Independence is where it all began. And it wasn't that our rights began there. Our rights were acknowledged there because our rights were given to us by our creator. Everything that you get past that point is because you took control of your government and you were either allowed, acknowledged, or what have you. You know, women weren't given the right to vote for many years after uh, we were a, a sovereign nation. And we could look back on that and say, well, 
then we weren't included. But you have to look at what women were doing. They may not have been voting, and yes, they stood that wall in front of the White House and made sure that the president knew you're not gonna shut us up, we're coming back tomorrow, we don't care what you do to us, and we gained the right to vote. But everything we have done through the timeline of our country has been to advance a cause of liberty in one way or another. And we are continuing to do that and continuing to find ways to be better, just as we do as individuals. We don't wake up one day and find ourselves in the perfect condition of our life and perfect health with great hair and all those other things that we like to strive for. It's work. And there should be no expectation that an organization, which is the United States, made up of people, would not have that same journey. Well, we were the yeah. first people in, in the history of the world to acknowledge that our rights come from God. Yes. That and we are born with them. Well, and if you look at what was happening across the, the ocean at the same time, why the French Revolution failed, because they did not acknowledge that. The French wanted to make man the, resp the responsible right. party and not our creator. And yeah. that's, I believe, what, what's the difference between why the United States was able to advance as a republic and France wasn't. That's yeah. a great point. And a great point. <laughs> how, how many constitutions has France had? Like seven, eight? Yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I lost sure. count a long time ago. Yeah. How many revolutions have they had? More than we have. Yeah, more than we have. Yeah. Against each That's other. a great point. That's a great point because because they did struggle with that. And, mm -hmm. and I would argue that most of Europe has really struggled with that because when you have a country like ours that was founded on religious freedom, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's why people came here. Right. Fleeing, fleeing the uh, oppressiveness of the crown to worship their God the way they see fit. Sure. People, people like to just uh, dismiss that as part of our, our history. Absolutely. Well, the, the First Amendment and the Bill of Rights says it all. You're, you're free to believe, to speak, to assemble, to exist. Everything in there describes your existence as a person. And that's, that was the primary purpose of the formation of our country. Yeah. Well, we can talk about this all day long. Yeah, I switched chairs because I was... Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> is, is that going to is that going to upset our, our no. main audience? No. Well, Alex will tell us what. Yeah, it's, we only care about whether Alex is upset. But. <laughs> Alex doesn't look like he gets upset very easily. No, he's he's one of the most even keeled guys. In no, the world. it's been great working with him. You can see why I keep him around. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So, um, Kim, t talk to us a little bit about. I, you have been very involved in with Republican women mm -hmm. for years, um, and you are a key part of. And I'll get the title wrong, I'm sure. But the Doty London School of Excellence? Doty London Excellence in Public Excellence Service Series. Okay. Yes, I'm the executive director. So talk to us about that. Um, you've had a, a plethora of successful women coming through the program, um, both successful before they were there, but also gone through the program, then mm -hmm. become candidates and elected officials and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Tell us a little bit about how that started, how you you know, what you've done, you know, what the vision that Doty London had, and maybe a little bit about who Doty London was, because sure. that's, she's well, a key player in all this. That's right. I'll start with Doty. So Doty yeah. London was the first and until recently the only woman chairman of the Arizona Republican Party. And she became chairman at a time when the party was in a bit of disarray. They were financially in trouble. They had not been very successful at the ballot box. And she just sort of came in and put it all back together 
and actually raised the money to buy the building there and now, made it so that it was debt free. That building is, you know, owned without the benefit of a mortgage and did some other things that really created the Republican majority that we were able to enjoy over the last few years. So when it came time to start our organization, we wanted, you name it, normally it's a part of a national excellence in public series. There are other states with a similar program. There was no one better than Doty for us to name it after. So that's how that name came to be. Um, now the women have, I don't know how many of you have listened to Brad Blakeman. He's on Fox often and he's always been a speaker when we go to DC and he coined the term the Doties. So now we are now the Doties. But um, I'm not sure that that's always used in a good way. But anyhow, uh, at every year we are open for applications. We're open right now through June 30th. You can go to dotylondon.com and get an application. And it's open for Republican women who want to make a difference, who want to give back. There's no obligation that you run for office. Um, People have heard me say this many times, and this is basically the truth. From the person who puts their signs in the yard and people drive by to see who to vote for, or they call to say, who do I vote for on the judges? You know, those kind of things to the White House. There are a million jobs in between that need to be done by people who are competent, capable, and have the skills necessary. And we just don't see any reason why those can't also be filled by a woman. Right. And we, we talk about skill sets and experience, we don't necessarily talk about issues. We don't say you're a Republican, so you will believe this. We believe Republican women are smart enough to figure that out on their own. We just give them the tools to do something with it. That's awesome. What? Uh, how? Do you know how many women have gone through the program, roughly? Yes, it's on the website, but I think we're at about 165. Wow, that's amazing. How many years? So I'm in my 10th year as the executive director. It was led for four years prior to me by Bernie Comfort, who's in Pennsylvania. Okay. She, um, Christine Charetti started the program. She had started the program in Pennsylvania. She moved out here, began the program here, lived here for a few years, got it up and running, and then they went back to Pennsylvania and we took it over. Sure, I know Christine. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so talk to us about the Corporation Commission. Well, sure. <laughs> <clears throat> so the Corporation Commission, I think, is one of the many wonders in the Arizona Constitution. You know, the Arizona Constitution first gave women the right to vote before it was federally allowed, and they said, you got to take that out. So they took it out. We became a state, and then they promptly put it back in. So there's one reason why I really love this state. But we have the right of initiative, referendum, and recall, things that other states may not have. But we also have an elected corporation commission, which regulates investor-owned and uh, privately-owned utilities. So that's water, power, meaning electric or or gas, and um, telephone communication, as well as they oversee pipeline and uh, railroad crossing safety and securities. So that sounds very wonky. And for someone like me, it's perfect because it's all about policy and how do you affect the daily lives of people. You know, everything we do is around electricity. We're, we're an electrified world. Every, you know, from what we, how we make our dinners, how we keep our food safe to eat, 
All of that involves electricity or power in some way. You want to make sure that it's safe, reliable, and affordable, and that's the key at the Corporation Commission, that they regulate those rates so that you're making sure you're acting in the best, at least to my perspective, it should be in the best interest of the ratepayer, meaning if the company isn't fiscally sound and they can't keep their infrastructure together, they're not serving you well because when you turn on the switch, the water may not come on. You turn on the tap and you might get mud. That's not good. You also want to make sure you can pay your bill, that it's it's affordable, that the power that you need to survive in, in the 21st century is affordable. So those are the reasons why I am running for the Corporation Commission. I have a history in utility regulation. I was an elected ratepayer advocate to the Salt River Project Council for 10 years. Mm. And I was reelected three times, so the people must have thought I did an okay job. Yeah. Before that, I served for 20 years on a school board. You know, we want to talk about being in people's lives. You're you're really overseeing their child's education and their safety on a day-to-day basis, and you have to build a lot of trust. My first election to the school board was in a recall. So go back to our constitution. Um, our school board wasn't really acting in the best interest of the people. They kind of had their own agenda. And I didn't have kids in high school at that point, but I knew that there was a problem. So we went to a board meeting. I found them to be totally disingenuous, uh, rude to the audience. And I thought, you work Shopping, for us. Right? I know. You work for us. How dare you do this? And it's, I looked It at seems <laughs> to me that a lot of parents are waking up to that well, reality. Well, I have right a daughter on a school board and a son who is um, working... Uh, had been working on a recall in a school district. So there must be something in our DNA about that. But I told my husband, I'm gonna run against her. She was just rude. And then it turned out our community did form a recall and there was an open seat. And I ran as a writing candidate in a recall election held in the first part of August and I won three to one. That's amazing. That's great. So well, then I went on to be reelected five times. Yeah. So, well, that's a great message, especially for parents right now. They're looking at the landscape of our education system mm-hmm. and looking, I mean, if anyone who's familiar with the National Education Association, they they took certain votes this last weekend to, to force uh, critical race theory mm-hmm. and a bunch mm-hmm. of other ideologies down to our kids. And if you're a parent dealing with this, who, you know, this is this is an inspiring you know, aspirational story mm-hmm. that you can take on the you school can. board. You can. And right now, I think there's been plenty of reporting and, and some good reporting about how these school boards are, are still precisely what, you know, especially after the pandemic, precisely what you're, what you're describing. It's, it's very easy to get into groupthink when you're in a, in a small confined, like a, a school board where you have five members and only three are required for a majority. And that's the same at the Corporation Commission, which is yep. part of why a couple of years ago I sounded the bell that we really need to be aware of that, that it's very easy to establish policy with a small number of people. So it's so important that on your school boards, you are aware of who these people are and you can't be complacent and say, oh, it's always been okay, it always will be okay. Because that's what people say until it's not. Right. And then it's usually yeah. too late. It is too late. It's usually too late. It's always, you have to take over and undo, which means that there's already been a bunch of kids negatively affected mm-hmm. that you can't unwind on that. And they only get one chance. 
You don't get to say, hey, come back. We're going to give you those last two years over again. It's not like you get to redshirt fifth grade. You know, you got to do it again. And we we have a moral obligation for every child who enters our school that we give them the very best educational opportunity that is possible. There's, it's It's not about playing school. You have to deliver. And if those kids don't get what they need, they become our the next generation of our workforce. They deserve what they are supposed to get. And we have standards in Arizona, and they should be uniform. There should be no tuition by zip code. You know that some kids get a great public education and other kids are just left floundering. That should not be in the United States of America. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally agree. Well, it seems like the big fights over the next several years are going to be at the school board level and then on the energy mm-hmm. policy level. You're absolutely right. And so this is why I'm, I'm driven to run for the Corporation Commission. Not I have this, pol- this policy background, 20 years making education policy and, and tax policy and things that affected people's lives, and then 10 years looking at energy and water. And when, now I'm probably invoking another attack from the left, but that's okay. They're going to come anyway. That's true. And yeah, in 2018, when Tom Steyer put $20 million into Arizona to change our constitution and force a Green New Deal style of of energy policy on Arizona, that wasn't just about how we get our energy. It was about how we live our lives. And that's an investment you don't walk away from. So it wasn't surprising to me to see that group come back in 2018 20 and try to wipe people off the ballot and affect legislators and you know spending millions of dollars in, in negative ads against legislators and small districts just to try to get the, the leg up in the legislature. So what they will do, and if you look at certain websites, the Sierra Club, other websites, they equate climate change with economic justice that everything is inextricably linked, as they say. And if you look at what President Biden did with the infrastructure plan that he first announced, this you know trillions of dollars in infrastructure policy, of which about 20 to 25% was actually roads and bridges, right. and the rest yeah. was all about economic and energy policy that affected this kind of Green New Deal outcome. And the way that that will happen in Arizona isn't at the legislature. It's at the Corporation Commission. Exactly. Our legislature, you have to have, you know, they always say 16 and 31. You have to have 16 votes in the Senate, 31 votes in the House, and then you still have to get past the governor. So you're looking at several people have to like you before you can get your bill passed. At the Corporation Commission, you only need three. Yeah. And if they can do it there, they will because it's so much easier. So spend a lot of money on electing progressive commissioners or commissioners who are sensitive to those kind of topics, who like mandates, who like government intrusion, who like big regulation, and then we'll go we'll go that route. Because and still it's a call lot themselves easier. Republicans. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I'm just going to say it won't be me. Yeah. What? Uh, so the there's five. How many seats are up this Two. next year? Two seats Two. are up, and. Uh, is there, there are term limits on corporations? Sure. Yep, you can only okay. serve two terms. So now Sandra Kennedy is actually going for what would be a more than two terms. She was on previously and then was not elected, set out, came back, was elected. So this is two consecutive terms. Okay, gotcha. And so she, 
So she's up for re-election? She's a Democrat up for re-election. And then the other seat is? Justin Olson, who is not running. Okay. So so you've got an open seat and up and then up against the Democrat. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be pretty critical that we nominate, me, we meaning the Republicans, nominate really solid people to take the open seat and to defeat Senator Kennedy, who has clearly has a very left of center mm-hmm. view mm-hmm. and very much a Green New Deal type of Democrat. Yes, yes. Right? Who also campaigned. Point out uh, with a clover leaf on her uh, sign. She's African American. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's trying to invoke the Irish Kennedy, Irish Catholic Kennedy name. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, great. There's nothing wrong with that. I guess more power too. Yeah. I, yeah. I just. So. But it, but it seems even with with so there's a there's a decided Republican majority right now on the on the corporation. It was three two. Mm-hmm. Um, Leah, Leah Pearson's the, the chairperson. It seems like even with that majority, they, they're leaning towards more of a green New Deal, embracing some of these these policies. Sure. Is that true? So, well, it's been a little bit. Or is that my um, just perception? It, it may be a little of both. Okay. Um, there's been a lot of discussion on rules versus regulations or suggestions. So previously, previous commissions had put in place energy standards that they wanted a certain percent of the energy mix of all Arizona to fall in a certain um, percentage of renewables. And that came up for discussion again in this um, last session, last term, and it started out as increasing regulations. And they were shooting out to 2050, that by 2050, there would be a this is what our energy mix for our state would look like. And Justin Olson and Jim O'Connor pushed back on that. And Leah then changed, Leah Marcus-Peterson changed to let's make it a suggestion. And it's gone back and forth. Yeah. Um, the What we learned probably more than anything is that those can be adjusted. So you can't, you can't force this um, future commissions. So the next yeah. commission could just say, never mind, we didn't mean it. Now, my personal perspective on all of this is that you don't regulate science. Science is going to be what it is. Uh, many years ago... Does that, we, does that mean we have to follow the science? Well... <laughs> We've it, talked a lot about that. It, yeah, yeah, well... It seems like the science changes depending on who it has does, the microphone. It, which is which is my point. So if we say, because right now this is what science is telling us, so let's make a rule so that 30 years from now we're abiding by what science tells us today. Now what you've done is you've forced utility companies to invest in meeting that goal. Now what, what happens when science changes? And they say, oh, never mind, we found something new. So all right. that money you spent is now out the door. You know, I think there's going to be a great amount of energy put in into hydrogen power, which is not the same as hydroelectric. And when that happens, all of the, you know, solar and wind, what happens to that? Now, you have to have power in the meantime, so you have to figure out the best way to do it. But my perspective is that the government shouldn't be putting their thumb on the scale of how it's done. You should say, we want safe, reliable, affordable power, water, natural gas, telecommunications, and when you come before us on a rate case, safe means clean water, clean air, because we're not going to pollute the world just so that you can turn on the switch and not get electrocuted. That's not what safe means. 
And we have to know that when you do it, that it's, you know, you saw what happened in Texas mm. over the winter. Nobody was, even though ERCOT, the R and ERCOT, ERCOT stands for reliability, it, I don't think they really focused on that part. They were all about rates. Right. So we have to look at the big picture. You can't focus on one thing that's in front of me right now. It's sort of what I was talking about earlier. You have to be able to see down the road and know what's going to be there or what we don't know yet and not try to find all the answers when we don't even know what the questions are. Yeah. Well, it, it seems crazy to me that when, when we're talking about, you know, renewables or no emissions, um, conveniently or not, the, the more radical elements of the environmental movement um, who push for solar and um, wind leave nuclear out. Mm -hmm. nuclear out. Yes. Have a terrible. Well, just then, like okay, you, on that. Yeah, you and all of a sudden, natural <laughs> gas is 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 evil. Yeah, which but makes no sense. It, it doesn't. And but, I mean, you want to talk about reliable as far as having a base load mm -hmm. on your energy. The nuclear is the absolute most efficient, cleanest way to do that. Um, well, and right now there's such a, a stigma around nuclear, and it's still you know, hanging there. If you see what happened in South Carolina when they went to build a new nuclear power plant, the original builder went bankrupt and now they're still trying to, to get that worked out. You, there's certainly a, a degree of safety that you we cannot overlook. You, you have to know that that's there. But you also have to understand that it can be had and just not everything is Chernobyl and you have to look at it from that perspective. It's just like cars people who don't manage them safely get hurt. Right. So we have to go back to the reality of our world, and it's very, very true that you can have safe nuclear. I think we're going to see the mini power plants. Not everything's going to look like Palo Verde. You're going to see smaller um, nuclear plants come up so that it's it's more of a micro plant. Right, And you mentioned hydrogen power as well. Hydrogen power. So when you look at, at renewable... And you think, okay, well, we all know water is H2O. The two was hydrogen, and the one is actually, you split that, and now you have two um, atoms of hydrogen. And hydrogen is exponentially more powerful than solar in terms of how it can power. Sure. So the, the expense comes in, how do you split that atom, and how do you make it happen? But this is, again, where you don't question science. You just say, somebody's out there. They're going to, this is... This is America. If you look at all of the great um, discoveries of the 20th century, they came from Americans. Mm -hmm. And and maybe they were immigrant Americans or maybe they were native-born Americans. It doesn't matter. They were Americans and they were in an environment that was rich for discovery. And we still have that. And we can't limit that by saying, no, this is all we're going to allow. Yeah. yeah. It, <clears throat> see, it seems like, I was going to make a comment earlier, it seems like what Arizona has an opportunity to do is kind of thread the needle in a way that, with re proper mm -hmm. regulation, in a way that um, that Texas went to a more deregulated environment, mm -hmm. which which led to their their mm -hmm. catastrophe over the winter, mm -hmm. and then you have California, which is a completely regulated environment, well, and yet and yet they're they they're going to be seeing ro roaming blackouts again. Yeah, this, well, California is actually the majority of California is deregulated. It is okay. It is, and you have Cal. The perception then is that it's very regulated. Well, it's because it's Cal ISO. So um, if you're deregulated, and so 
get a little wonky here. Um, in the early stages of electrification of our country, you had Westinghouse and General Electric and these big companies that would develop transmission lines and service territories that would cover multiple states. And the government realized this is probably a security issue because if one of these goes out, this entire swath of our country has no power and we don't have a backup system. So the development of the national grid and then service territories in 1935, they passed a law, you have a service ter territory, and it was part of the demonopolizing of power. So that's why you have, say in Arizona, you have APS that has a certain service territory because they said, okay, you can't get any bigger than this. This is as big as we're gonna let you get. Yeah. And it, in exchange for that, this is, you won't have competition, but you also can't grow. And we're gonna tell you how much you can charge. So that's the system we're in. So deregulation is when you, and the Corporation Commission regulates their power. Deregulation, the Corporation Commission doesn't regulate their rates. You get a, an independent system operator, and in California it's CalISO, and it's a five-member panel appointed by their governor. So Governor Gavin Newsom is appointing who's regulating power in California. And so it is very regulated, from, so you're right, and it is very regulated. It's just not regulated like we think it's regulated. It's really re-regulation, not deregulation. Right. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm not completely no, off no. the mark. Well, and they also but have it, the standards, the, the, the renewable standards that are that are causing the, the rolling blackouts mm -hmm. because they can't. Mm -hmm. they, well, there's so it. much green green energy that sometimes goes offline because well, it gets cloudy and stop, the wind stops blowing. I read an article the other day. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever read. They're asking... Citizens of California, which the number one vehicle in California is a Tesla. They're asking them not to plug in their Teslas during certain times oh of the gosh. day to not sure. drain the grid. And I just, it was the most, most bizarre article I've ever read. Yeah, so the irony in this is if you remember the very tragic fires they had oh, when the absolutely. Santa Ana winds came through a few years ago, it was because they had deferred maintenance on the grid and what people don't understand is when power power lines, the power doesn't stay within the line. There's a an area which the power transmits just in the air. Yeah. And so when the wind is blowing and there's these grasses, it caused friction and that's what caused the fire. Because they hadn't maintained the grid and the underlayment and it caused these fires because they had put so much money into pushing electric vehicles. So they got what they asked for, and now they're saying, please don't drive your electric vehicle because we don't have enough power. It's no wonder that uh, Elon I mean, that's moved, moved to it Texas. Is. It's sad, it's, yeah. It, well, and then in Texas, you have these people who selected. So in Texas, because they have deregulation, you pick who your what your provider is that delivers to your house. You have the people who generate, the people who transmit, and the people who sell in retail. And the retailers will say, okay, we are going to pay you know, just a tiny rate on normal weather. But if it's bad, it's going to be high. And everyone's like, oh, that'll never happen. Well, it did. And people had $10,000 a month <laughs> <Right>. electric bills. <laughs> you know, what do you do with that? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting lesson about if you want to, when government tries to pick winners and losers mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. in this sort of thing versus, yeah. Yeah. versus letting the market decide sure in some, and in some and respects in, and in deregulation the government really does get in the way so the first rule is that FERC that the feds set what your retail rate can be and then um, 
well, actually, CalISA would set the retail rate, but the, the feds oversee it. So they're the main boss. So you're really federalizing your energy policy. Wow. And if you have a president you like, that might be okay. But right now, you know, what if you know you have to look at what President Biden does? Do you really want him doing that? So when you deregulate, you give up so much local control. And the reality is that on average, the states with deregulation have higher rates. Yeah. And 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 again, the what's what's in, what's out seems to shift depending on what year it is. Yes. So I, I remember roughly maybe eight years ago when when during the Obama administration there was this big push to get rid of coal mm-hmm. coal firing plants to move to natural gas, and that is essentially what has happened across most of the country. And mm-hmm. but now. You're hearing, well, nat- natural gas is, a, natural is gas. a fossil fuel. Yeah. We need to get rid of it. Yeah. Well, and I'm we like, had, wait, 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 time out. <laughs> yeah, we had that play out here in Arizona. So if you'll remember Navajo Generating yeah. Station. Yeah, So people don't understand that you didn't, nobody got power from Navajo Generating Station for their, home, their homes. That was constructed as a part of the Central Arizona Project to um, fuel the pumping to get the water into Maricopa, Pinal, and Pima County. So that was the whole purpose that Navajo was there. And when, and they had multiple owners, they had three stacks, California, Nevada pulled out. So that was about a third of the energy. The government was saying, you've got to reduce your emissions by a third. So they said, well, shut down this one stack. We still have the two. But we fought tooth and nail to keep Navajo open because we needed that. Well, within a couple of years, back to science, somebody discovered fracking. And now we have the natural byproduct of oil from fracking is natural gas. Natural gas was pennies on the dollar for compared to coal. Right. So it made, and understanding that the taxpayers paid for that power from NGS, it to keep it open would be charging the taxpayers more than they had to pay. So that's why Navajo went away, because something new came along that was less expensive, it was cleaner, and it was more efficient. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. Progress. <laughs> but what, what do you say to uh, people who are really critical of the, the Corporation Commission, that really the Corporation Commission is just a tool for APS and SRP and mm-hmm. TEP, that mm-hmm. they're just they're not really a, a body that, that has the interests of the taxpayer at heart? I think you hear that about a lot of government, you know, that it's the lobbyists. That comes from the left and the right. Yeah, you you hear it everywhere. And my my answer to that is if you feel like that the folks who are serving on those commissions or in that office aren't doing a good job, then vote them out. It's not the office that's wrong. It's not the, the mechanism that's bad. It's the people who are not doing their job effectively. So if you feel that the commission is not effectively doing its job, you don't say, well, then we're going to shut it down. It's like saying, we don't like Congress, but we're going to get rid of the Senate or the House. You don't do that. You just elect new members. Or expand it, right? Well, Like I said, I I think we should. (laughs) We haven't done this since the 1930s. That's a whole different he's, discussion. He's got so. this crazy yeah, idea that, that we should expand, <laughs> expand Congress to like a thousand people. Yeah. Um, and, but if I, SRP is not regulated by Corporation Commission, right? Only in line siting. Okay. So because SRP started out as an irrigation company, they had their elected board and council, and it sets up so the board is like the board of directors and the council is basically the ratepayers or the shareholders. Um, and then when they went into electric, uh, generation transmission, they developed a, a similar, it's like a mirror tandem 
system, and and so they regulate their their rates from within. But because they're directly elected from the people, their users, that's how come they're not regulated by the commission. Yeah. Okay. But so TEP and uh, and APS yes. are the other two big power companies that mm-hmm. are regulated. But for the most part, what happens with one is all three, generally speaking, right? As far as just the way they approach energy delivery and- There, and- there are trends in business. You know, you go to the grocery store and, you know, remember when you got green stamps. Well, you probably don't, I do. Um, and I then that goes away. Green yeah, everybody oh gosh, did it. I just had a flashback. Yeah, <laughs> and the people, so there are trends in industry and it's just, it's like anything else. It's what's coming out from their research and development people. It's what's the latest, greatest. Um, and that's where the regulation comes into play. You don't want to regulate against progress, but you also don't want to regulate toward obstruction. Right. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I think that innovation is always um, always a good thing. And I do think that, you know, while... I was frustrated with what Obama did with coal, the fact that natural gas came along and was significantly cheaper, um, you know, had its had its place. Um, and but they haven't. You know, the, the problem is the government has continued to put its finger on the scale when it comes to solar and wind, and it's not proving as efficient as the promises that were made all these years. Mm-hmm. So when solar became in vogue, the amount of subsidies attached to that, both from the the state government, the federal government, and your providers, was immense. So people felt that this was just a free opportunity to decrease their rates, and who wouldn't want to do that? Um, They didn't understand necessarily, especially if they were in a rental agreement, what that meant to their home, if they wanted to sell it, or long-term maintenance. And now what happens with those cells when, you know, what's the degradation on on the um, panels themselves? And now people are concerned, well, I have this, but I'm still paying an electric bill. There's so much that was in the marketing of solar that has caused, and rightfully so, frustration in the mind of the consumer. And I, and I think some of that, you know, if you have the government basically paying you to get this system, you're going to believe what you're told about it. Right, yeah. right. That's a good point. Oh, that's, that's a lot of stuff. It is a lot to of deal stuff. with down there. Yeah, that's why you need people you need who people. understand yeah. it. <laughs> and I don't, so I'm glad you're doing it. Well, thank you, Sean. <laughs> where where uh, where can people find you? I'm at alettkimowens.com. I'm same on Facebook, and um, you can get me at kim at alettkimowens.com by email. And I try to answer all the emails that come my way. You do. That's great. great. And then, how do uh, people get a hold of Doty London. Doty London is dotylondon.com. And there's London a. London with an E. Yes, D O D I E L O N D E N. Yes, Doty London with an E.com. Um, applications are accepted through July 30th. You need a Republican sponsor and a community sponsor. And it's all pretty clear. It, you send it by email. And we would love to have women from all over the state apply. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, this has yeah. been Appreciate great. It. This has been an education. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been I mean, a snooze fest for some. It's a no, little wonky. it's just, you know, yeah. what, what's, uh, like we had a, a discussion offline, but it just seems like 
everyone wants to run for the corporation commission. It seems like it's become like this high level mm-hmm. sort of elected pursuit within our, our, our politics, especially over the last several years. And I think it's really important for people to understand that this is not like, you know, running for dog catcher. Right. <laughs> this is something that's that that's very complex. The issues are incredibly detailed, and it's not worth it to the state or or to the community mm-hmm. to have people on there who just want to fill their resume. And there's people out there who have run that we've talked about who just want to fill their resume with another position and yet know nothing about the issues. Right. Yeah. Or or they come with a personal agenda and an ax to grind. Exactly. It yeah. has to be because you want to do the work and all the work. Not because and it's work. It is work. And not because you've termed out of one office and what can I run for next? Or um, I don't like this company and so I'm going to run and I'm going to show them who's boss. The people are not served that way. You know, there are seven and a half million people in Arizona, and your bad t- day does not dictate their future. So we really have to be open to the needs of all of Arizona. Yeah. Great message. I, I don't think you're going to tell, you know, those companies who's boss. <laughs> I just don't. Well, you're one person. Yeah. But uh, but thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you for Great having to me. Be with I really you. do appreciate it. And uh, best of luck. Thank you. Great. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one.